Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that we do have a Savior sent to us, the light of the world, who's come into our darkness and shattered the night. We're so grateful, Lord, for this opportunity to sing, to be your people together, to gather in your name and just enjoy your presence and your kindness to us. And so we give you thanks this day. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Austin City Limits. I mean, Christ Church at Grove Farm. It's kind of neat, huh, in the round with the unplugged? Makes me feel like I'm back in Texas. This is great. So glad all of you could come this morning. We're going to look now to God's, God's Word. And uh, let's begin by, by thinking about what Christmas is all about. Um, the title of the sermon is The Homeless King. Jesus was born in a borrowed feed trough, and he died in a borrowed tomb. He uh, was walking along the way, this homeless king, with his disciples, and somebody came up to him and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was the homeless king. He came to show us who God is. He is, in fact, the exact representation of God's glory. And in John's gospel, we read that in the beginning was was the Word. And this Word is is God's big idea. I remember when I was in seminary... uh, one or two of my fellow students uh, were impatient with my systematics theology professor who happened to be a uh, kind of a socially awkward guy, a systematics professor of theology guys can tend to be. He was, he was an Anglican guy, an old guy, you know, great British accent, but uh, these guys were giving him a hard time about theology not being very practical, having no practical use And he turned on him and he said, there's nothing more practical than a good idea. And that really resonated with me. There's nothing more practical than a good idea. Well, Christmas is God's good idea. This is God's big idea. This is what God has been planning and holding in store for all of us. This this word coming into flesh. And so we read in John's Gospel, chapter 1, the the prologue to John's Gospel, the point of John's Gospel, as that all might believe and come to the knowledge of, of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he begins his Gospel saying, in the beginning was the Word, this, this big idea of God's. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made... Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men and women. That light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He was not the light. He came as a witness to testify 
concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man, to every woman, was coming into the world. John was sent to prepare that way. That light of salvation coming our way in creation. These are beautiful verses, but what on earth do they mean? I mean, they're, they're hard, abstract thoughts, really. It means that in and with and through the Word, everything was created. Nothing exists that He didn't make. Now, if you miss this, you miss the entire point of Christmas. This is really the point of Christmas. To know God and to know His purpose for you, you got to begin at the beginning. God the Father and God the Son were in relationship before the world began. One God. And this relationship is the central revelation of Christianity. It's what sets our faith apart from all other religions and philosophies. It's the key to understanding Jesus' identity so that you can receive all that Jesus offers. John speaks of a being, a divine person, who existed before creation. The Word existed for eternity, before and outside of time and space. And John claims that the Word became enfleshed, John affirmed the big idea of God. Uh, On that night that Jesus was betrayed, he affirmed it too. He said, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world existed. He went on, Father, I desire that they also, my disciples whom you have given me, I desire that they may be with me where I am to see my glory, to see the fullness of the revelation of my glory that you have given me because you loved me, listen, before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the living picture of God. When you get a clear picture of Jesus, you see God. John begins where his listeners are spiritually. This idea of the word... uh, is an old idea. It's, in fact, in John's time, already a thousand years old. The ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, thought of the Word as an impersonal force that held things together, kind of like electricity. Nobody really understands, very few anyway, understand electricity or an electromagnetic force. And they thought of of the Word, some sort of maybe not a personal being, but like electricity, some force in the created world that was holding the world together. And and John seizes on that idea, and he builds a bridge to their hearts and minds. He says, I'm going to trace out what that really looks like. I'm going to fill in the picture for you. And so he speaks to to that kind of mindset. He also speaks uh, to, to his Jewish friends. He writes, in the beginning... Now, do those words sound familiar to you at all? In the beginning, they should, they should sound familiar to many of you. Right out of Genesis. John is saying, in the beginning of creation, as recorded in Genesis, the Word was already there. God created the world through the Word. 
The psalmist picks up that theme. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it stood firm. When God prepared to light the way, to send the light of the world into the world, he put into play this this big idea. From all eternity, the word was with God and the word was in fellowship and in the presence of God. Jesus spoke of this mutual indwelling of the Father and the Son. He said, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. One God, three persons. Jesus is the living picture of Almighty God. And when we see him, we see God's holiness, we see God's mercy, we see God's grace, we see God's love, and boy, do we need to see that. Because he's God, he upholds creation. All things were made through him, and he supports and sustains and upholds creation. And because he does that, he can uphold you. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what personal trials you may be going through. I'm I'm thinking of those those families that are suffering in in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, and, and they desperately need God's upholding today. He can hold on to you because he is the word. Nothing daunts him. He's not bamboozled by what you faced. He can handle it because in him is life. And when you look for life anywhere else, listen, when you look for life anywhere else, you're off track. You're out of sync because in him is life. When you give ultimate importance and worth to any person or anything or any person, any substance, even a relationship like like marriage, even your own children, when you give those things, those good things, your ultimate allegiance and they take the highest place in your heart, you're doing nothing more than performing a modern act of idolatry. When we look to those things for life, Instead of looking to Jesus Christ, the true life, we miss the mark. Because in him was life. In him was life. And that life is the light of men and the light of women and the light of little children. That life can't be found anywhere else. It can't be bought. It has to be received. So the word is the light of God in creation. Secondly, the word lights the way in the dark. Spiritual darkness is the absence of light. I, I heard a famous atheist say once that he had no uh, problem believing in a personal devil. He had trouble believing with God in believing in God, but he had no problem believing in the devil because he saw so much evil in the world. Our world is a dark place. And spiritual darkness is the absence of light. But the light of Jesus is for all who come out of the dark and into the light. Unfortunately, many prefer the dark. 
Dark can't comprehend the light. Darkness tries to overcome the light, but it can't. Now, darkness is not equal to the light. It's not like a, a yin and yang here. Darkness is not light's equal. Humanity, unfortunately, is in, is in darkness, the darkness of sin, which separates us from a holy God. But Jesus is the authentic light. He's the true light. And in his light, he reveals goodness. He reveals truth and grace, beauty and, and, and moral purity. The word shines on through the darkness. And the Bible says here in this, in this prologue to John's gospel that the darkness will never extinguish the light. It can't master it. It can't overcome it. This Christmas, let that light shine off you. Let it reflect off you. Let his moral purity reflect off of you. Let that, that grace that you've received bounce off of you. Reflect that light into the spiritual darkness around you. Let, let, his, let his goodness shine. The Word lights the way into creation. The Word shatters the darkness of our world. And third, the Word lights the way in salvation. John says in verse 10, He was in the world. The world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Israel had rejected Jesus as they had all the other prophets. And I'm reminded of what God spoke through the prophet of Jeremiah, back in Jeremiah 7, he said, God speaking, they didn't listen. They didn't didn't pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their own evil hearts. They went backward, not forward. From the time your forefathers, God says, left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets, but they did not listen. They didn't listen to me, and they didn't pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their forefathers. Whoa! What a picture of the heart hardened towards God and His gift of Jesus Christ. There's only one unpardonable sin. Just one. This is it. This is the one ultimate unpardonable sin. It's failure to believe and failure to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's it. That's it. But to all who receive Him, to all who believe and accept Him, He gives the right, that is, He gives the power, He gives the authority to become children of God. Those who receive him and believe him become his adopted kids. They come into his family. They're spiritually reborn. They're born from above. They experience that second birth by the Holy Spirit, not a physical birth resulting from human passion or a human decision or the game plan of a husband and wife. No, this rebirth comes only as a gift from God. To receive this gift, means to receive him 
It means to entrust oneself to him. To receive him means to acknowledge his claims. To receive him means to confess him as Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead. If you trust him, if you pledge your allegiance to him, then you're given this right, this power, this ability really to become one of his kids. And John says in the third chapter of his gospel, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is, is spirit. You've got to be spiritually reborn or you're missing the whole point. This is God's plan. This is God's big idea. This is God's purpose. This is what Christmas is all about. And, and then we receive then those rights, those privileges of being in the family. Now, spiritual birth must be sought from God, but it comes from God only on the basis of faith. Fourth and finally, the word lights the way in, in revelation. The word lights the way in, in creation. The word shatters the darkness of our world and gives us hope. The word is the, is the instrument of our salvation and it's the instrument of our ongoing revelation, our ongoing learning and growing in Christ. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is a loaded word. What he's referring to is a tabernacle or a tent. As you know, the people of God left Egypt. They, uh, they had a large uh, tent that they had to set up, 45 feet long, very thick canvas. It had three chambers. In the very center was the Holy of Holies. Once a year, they would go in there. In the outer ring, they would offer up sacrifices to atone for sin. And as the people of God journeyed out of Egypt into the promised land, God's holy presence would come down on that tabernacle, that giant tent. And John is saying here that Jesus is the new tabernacle of God. He's, he's God dwelling among men. He's the new tent of God. God's presence comes down and is manifest completely upon Jesus. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And Jesus, test, John testifies rather, concerning him, he says, crying out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And from the fullness of his grace, we've all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side. And this word picture is powerful. It's literally at the Father's bosom, next to his heart. God, the one and only, who is at the Father's bosom, has made him known. Jesus bridges the gulf between us and God. God has chosen to be with his people in an incredibly personal way, literally coming into us by the Holy Spirit. 
the high, the, the holy, the transcendent God of Israel, the divine spirit became flesh in, and blood. He was in all ways like us except one way. He was without sin. He was pure, spotless, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God connected with humanity in the birth of His Son. And the New Testament calls Jesus Lord. Many passages attribute actions or words to Him that could only be true of God Himself. Paul says that in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And in Him the fullness of God dwelt bodily. So Jesus is truly and fully God. Listen, He's 100% God and 100% man. And as the creeds say, without mixture or without confusion. And he dwelt among us, pitching his tent. And from him we have received grace upon grace upon grace. And the language here in the Greek is is this overflowing, just abundant grace that never ends. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of grace just to get through my day. How about you? I mean, I am continually needing God's rescuing grace in my life. Don't you? And when we ask for that, we receive wave after wave after wave of His grace. That, that, That favor that we didn't earn or merit comes our way through Christ. It's unearned. You can't pry it out of his hands with good works or or giving a lot of money. It comes as a gift. It comes to weak people. It comes to the childlike. It comes to people who know their need, who know they need a Savior, who know they need rescued by grace, who recognize, who recognize that light really did blaze forth that day when God came into flesh. Let's pray. Father, you've taught us from your word. Now deepen it to our hearts, Lord. Remind us, Lord, that your son was born on the backside of nowhere in a borrowed feed trough. He died in a borrowed tomb. He lived a life and was rejected and scorned. Oh, Father, will you remove from us the stiff necks, Lord, that we brought here this morning? Will you give us, all of us, myself especially, that overflowing grace so that I might trust you more and more with every area of my life. Lord Jesus, we receive you not just as the Christ child, but but as the King, the King, born to conquer our sin. Amen.